again, I'm just so sloppy. Gaskowski uh, <laughs> makes one out of four kicks. To but the game-winning go. kick, the only one that matters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hello and welcome to All Four Quarters, your one-stop shop for news, views, and overreactions to all things NFL. Week one is in the books, and I think we have a lot to talk to you about. So hey, we got Connor here, uh, all the way from Kerry, and we got Fitz. Hello. How are you getting on? Oh yeah, you know, just enjoying Cork, you know. It's basically like Kerry, but better, according to Cork people anyway. (laughs) (laughs) But I think Cork people say that about everywhere in the world, right? Yeah, Cork people, they do love a bit of Cork, and, uh, you know, it's all right. Like, I'm not going to go all the way there, but, uh, yeah, it's all right right now. And uh, today we we, we got the six-month plan in Ireland to how to deal with COVID, and then they kind of made up some new ideas on it. And now it turns out a couple of people might have COVID in in, in our government. Uh, So it's all a bit fun and games. Yeah, it's in, all of it all over the shop. In I, our system here at the moment. It would appear that I got out of Dublin just in time. Uh, <laughs> it seems to be getting getting into the ravages of it now. But uh, yeah, sure, it's great. I'll be down to see you guys in Cork soon enough. So uh, you know, I can I can help the spread around there. And then that'll be that'll, that'll be a nice touch. Um, yeah, it was good, good, good weekend of games. Which I must say, I really enjoyed having football back. Uh, obviously, I started by getting up in the middle of the night to watch the uh, the Chiefs play on Thursday. But uh, no, it was, it was fun. And it was a surprisingly enjoyable slate. Yeah, and uh, I don't think either of us have anything to complain about uh, in terms of the results either. No, no, to be honest, it's a pretty good week to be uh, fans of our two teams. Uh, so we'll start into some of the news. A uh, couple of extensions came in this week. So the LA Rams decided to lock down Jalen Ramsey, five years, 105 million with 71 million in guarantees. Uh, so that's the cornerback they traded for from the Jacksonville Jaguars last season. And uh, they've also extended wide receiver Cooper Cup, three years, 48 million. Uh, these are good paydays for the two guys. Cooper Cup seems about where you'd expect barring maybe the, the the worry about injury stuff, so we'd have to look at guarantees. That Jalen Ramsey contract is a lot of money, but I suppose they traded a lot for him. They were going to have to pay him, right? Yeah, and we've kind of seen this story unfold a few times. Uh, the Texans string to mind in terms of Laramie Tunsil. And yeah, once you trade so much draft capital for a player, it's very difficult for you to kind of get out of not paying them. And Jalen Ramsey's agents obviously knew that, and they were willing to... To push the envelope out here, you know, you're talking like 21 million a year. That's a mm. lot of money for a cornerback. That's that's nearly starting quarterback money, really. Yeah. Um, Jalen Ramsey is a great is a great cornerback. He's a great defensive back. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but one has to question whether any defensive player is worth that much, um, except perhaps an Aaron Donald. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, no, so you know, for a team that has tended to spend kind of widely in the past. Well, like I think there's kind of a, and I like a lot of people probably don't think the cap matters that much, and I think the Rams over the next couple of years will probably put that to the test a lot. No, of course. Uh, another team decided to re-up a couple of their stars are New Orleans. So uh, they're running back Alvin Kamara got a five-year, seventy-five million dollar deal. They also extended the linebacker to Mario Davis, the three-year, twenty-seven million. So Kamara had was kind of a hold-in type. There was a lot of question marks in the last week or two about what was happening there, but look. We'll see it. We'll just see it when we're discussing the games. Like he's a focal point of this offense. They kind of drive as much through him as they do through Drew Brees at this point. And it's, uh, yeah, it's probably good to lock him down. Although again, giving this type of 
scale of contract to a running back is a lot less common these days. Yeah, and we know, like, this is another case where the cap seems meaningless because, like, in, t- in theory right now, the Saints are, like, tens of millions behind the cap for next year based on their current situation due to the, the Drew Brees contract and all of the dead money that's been accrued due to extending him over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, in the post-Brees era, which we expect to start next year, you want to have key pieces to build around. So you've paid Michael Thomas already. You now pay Alvin Kamara. And that means that even if the quarterback you end up with is someone like Taysom Hill or a free agent, they should have a really good base to start going with. Because we know this is an offense first team, uh, even if they give a nice enough contract here to Mario Davis, who's earned it by all accounts. But Kamara, yeah. you know, he's referred to as the alien because he's able to do things as a running back that, that other running backs aren't going to do. Like I, I know a couple of years ago, I said that he's better than any other running back in the league. I think Christian McCaffrey probably has that right now, but I think Kamara at his best is a all-around weapon, both in the run game and in the pass game, that, yeah, I don't think you can afford to leave the building, and I think they just want to get it done and prevent a, a contract situation being a distraction this year, because, as we've said before, this is a win-now team. They don't need yeah, distractions right now. They don't need any of that. Uh, Minnesota also signed their running back, Alvin Cup, five years, $62.5 million. Again, rich contract, but person who's a focal part of that offense they lost one of their wide receivers so they need to ensure that run game stays strong going into the next season uh, although as we said it's not quite as win now in minnesota as it would be in new orleans yeah. and uh, he's tailor made for that system he's, he's just perfect for them and so if he stays healthy he'll get all the yards he needs no, of course. Uh, we'll swing over to the controversy corner. So the NFL have responded to Black Lives Their response to the Black Lives Matter movement was criticised by a number of players over the weekend, but several teams refusing to take the field during anthems, including the Texans and the Dolphins. Uh, we saw kind of a mixture of different approaches taken by different teams. There was a lot of freedom given, but there was not really a cohesive message maybe directly from the league. Uh, you saw at the opener, there was some booing when Houston came out as well, and kind of you know whether that's a response to the team or whether it's a response to the unity as i think i messaged you guys at the time i'd be worried about the kind of people who during a pandemic will go out and have the money to go to a thursday night football game and would then choose to do that might not be the best representations yeah. uh uh-huh. and in the kc case maybe there's also a, a pseudo protest i know there was a there's a ban now on the uh, the chant uh, and on the headdresses and a lot of the well, paraphernalia. Chant, chant, chant's still there. It's just changed oh, the a little bit. Um, I, I, I think, think the, the headdresses hand movement has moved. Yeah. yeah, I think they banned headdresses and stuff like that. They did. Head... Yeah, they banned face paint oh. and headdresses. Yeah, I'm sure there's a section of the community because obviously this wasn't everyone booing. This was a small section of the fans, but obviously enough to be heard. Uh, and obviously maybe they're annoyed about that as well. But yeah, I think obviously this is mostly regarding the t- Thursday night football, the the season opener, where you know the NFL had like a lot of uh videos about like let's big things lots of generic kind of corporate speak not really tackling the issue head on and then um they obviously added in this uh what's what's considered like the african-american national anthem lift every voice and song um was kind of there was like a special presentation of that but i think from the player's perspective it's all a very wishy-washy corporate nonsense. And when you compare that to the type of statements we saw from the Baltimore Ravens, for example, as mm-hmm. an organization uh, a few weeks ago, it, it, yeah, I think the NFL, obviously they're a lot more sympathetic in the words. So it's a big improvement where we were a couple of years ago, but I think the NFL still wants to play its cards you know, close to its chest and not be too uh, alienating to the to the section of American society that doesn't have such a, a positive view of this particular movement. No, of course. And then, of course, you then have really 
interesting side piece of this coming up of like Madden have now reintroduced Colin Kaepernick and have made him like the 14th best quarterback in yeah. the game, even though he hasn't played in three or four years. And he also it's, uh, that good when he played last time. Like I've, I've got a feeling that basically the EA Sports guys are just never missing a chance to try and get a little bit of you know uh, column inches because I don't I think that's purely about them self promoting the game rather than anything else. But uh, yeah, another other controversial news: Dak Prescott came out and discussed mental health issues, uh, especially following on from COVID-19, his brother's suicide, uh, to which Skip Bayless, the walking piece of shit that he is, decided to say that he was essentially a pussy, not what he wanted to see out of a quarterback, not what he'd like to see out of a leader, and that it was a sign of weakness. Uh, yeah, just get rid of Skip Bayless. He's a terrible hot take artist who doesn't have a fucking clue what he's talking about anyway. Yeah, and him, uh, Undisputed, it is quite a popular show, so we'll see if they have the, 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 the gumption to actually do it. But yeah, he's he's a noted troll, basically, for lack yeah. of a better term, in, in terms of NFL analysis. There's a lot of people like that. People like Stephen A. Smith tend to be kind of like that as well. Like, so I think this particular hot take, if you want to call it that, is basically him saying that, Oh, I don't think he should talk about this. You know, it may make him look weak among his locker room, and you know that will lead to the team, you know, doubting him as a leader. And I think mm-hmm. it just shows a generational uh, shift has occurred where mental health issues and illness are now considered to be a, a not normal thing, but a thing that you know should be seen in 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 a, you know getting help for that and talking about that openly should be seen in a positive light because that's one of the best ways to at least ameliorate the issue. Um, and that keeping it all up inside and just kind of dealing with like a man is a very negative uh, way to deal with it. And I think Skip, uh, I don't think he'll get fired because this is probably part of the reason why he gets paid is to create yeah, these kind of, kind of crap. Yeah. But, you know, hopefully Dak Prescott can uh, show him up, uh, even if he didn't uh, this week in terms of results and uh, continue to have a long and fruitful and probably fairly well paid career. No, of course. Crime and punishment, what are you up to? It's probably felonies. Well, this one this one certainly <laughs> is. Um, New York Jets, old wide receiver Josh Bellamy has been charged with wire and bank fraud. He stole from payment protection loan program, used the money to buy jewellery, pay for casino stays. Basically just piece of shit stuff. Um, yeah, so basically he kind of signed up all his friends and family, sometimes with their consent, sometimes without, uh, and basically just cashed the checks on their behalf um and yeah spent it all on dumb shit like super dumb shit and now he's gonna go to jail probably for a significant period of time and uh uh hope it was worth it uh it yeah uh tennessee offensive tackle isaiah wilson was arrested on a dui charge so no word on what that'll look like but i presume a couple of couple of games suspension probably um i don't think i don't think he's had too much history of that stuff yeah, he's a first-round pick. I don't think he had much of an issue with that, but there were concerns over his motivation level and stuff like that. So, not a great way to to kind of put himself on the right foot for the for the team because obviously they're expecting him to be a starter with his draft position, at least, yeah, if not this year, at least in the near future. Yeah. Um. We'll just run through some of the injuries from this week. So this is the one downside of the season being back on. Injuries are back. Uh, big season injury type ones. Denter offense or outside linebacker Von Miller has done his ankles. It was really horrible. Basically, a tendon ended up on the wrong side of his leg. He's gone for the season. Dallas tight end Blake Jarwin's torn an ACL and he's gone for the season. Leighton Vanderetch, their star linebacker, has broken his collarbone. So that's probably half the season gone. And they say up to about eight weeks. And Indianapolis running back Marlon Mack has torn his Achilles and that's him done for the season. Uh, other ones just to take note of: uh, New 
Jordan's wide receiver, Michael Thomas, has an ankle sprain, so he's week to week. Lev Bell, hamstring, so he's week to week. Danielle Hunter, the defensive end for Minnesota, has an injury that they haven't told us what it is. But yeah, he's on the really games. short. So, like, there's just a small note oh, here about micro that. boomerang. Yeah, so there's now a basically very short return from IOR system in place, somewhat in relation to the COVID. So a lot of players will now be put on IOR who can return in three weeks rather than the previous eight weeks that existed. So Danny Hunter, there's been a whole lot of players that's happened to like Devo Samuel, but uh, he, he you'll see a lot of these players be put on IOR in inverted commas, but are really just being kept out for basically a month. Um, yeah, all these uh, guys could potentially end up there if these injuries end up developing in a negative way. Yeah. And we got a trio of running backs here, Philip Lindsay, James Conner, and Duke Johnson, who have all got injuries that are putting them week to week. So we'll just see what happens with them. Uh, obviously, Von Miller is a huge loss for Denver. Uh, Marlon Mack, it's hard to tell because he was doing well before he went down that game, but they did have kind of a, they have Taylor and they have a couple of other people, Naim Himes. So like they've got depth at that position. So I don't think they were planning it. Uh, and later Van Der Esch, like this is not the first time he's had an injury. He's very good when he's there, but like, you know, they're, they're, they're probably starting to get worried about, uh, about this. Yeah, like I think the the biggest problem for like Denver and Dallas especially is that they're not they're they're they tend to be quite top heavy rosters based on what we like when we did our preseason previews we kind of went like these are rosters that if, if everything went right they could be content like in Denver's case maybe a playoff type team in Dallas's team an NFC contender uh, like for the whole thing um, and in Von Miller's case obviously it's a huge step down for Denver he's one of the best pass rushers in the league and mm-hmm. and uh, you know you know they they, they have very few other options there like Bradley Chubb probably their best alternative is someone coming off an ACL a torn ACL so he's not really all guns blazing yet and then Blake Jarwin was expected to be actually a very interesting playmaker a lot of hype around him um, from camp and now they'll have to go down to basically a fullback tight end hybrid Delton Schultz is now their next tight end up so I think you know Jason Witten got lots of touchdowns last year, so I'm sure he might get a touchdown or two, but he's obviously a major drop drop down from Blake Jarwin. And yeah, Leighton Van Der Esch, obviously two years ago, he was like rookie of the year material. Um, obviously, there's another setback in terms of that. And yeah, uh, you're right. Like Jonathan Taylor looked pretty good for Indianapolis Colts uh, when Marlon Mack finished up early on in the game. So I expect that people were saying he would take over anyway this season. And yeah, mm-hmm. I think if Taylor is half the player that we thought he was coming out of college, then they'll probably be able to kind of mostly get away with uh, losing their depth there and, and kind of relying on, on Taylor and, and in pass catching terms, uh, Naheem Hines. Yeah. Then, the, yeah only, like, the, only, the only ones that I think are kind of funny to note are like, so obviously the Michael Thomas one is a worry, but we'll talk about that when we get to the game. Like it seems, he seems it won't be too big an issue, but it is. I yeah, think, I think the, the Jets Lev Bell one where he's had very vocal disagreements in the off season with the management about whether or not he was injured or if he had hamstring issues. And then now they put him in and he immediately gets hamstring issues. Yeah, and it, it's even worse than that because Adam Gase actually came out after the game and said, oh, he said he had something with his hamstring. I don't know why I put him out there. I shouldn't have put him out there. He's just like, <laughs> literally, he's literally saying he shouldn't have put him out there. And like the Jets, you know, I talked about it last week, my, my predicted dumpster fire of the year is the Jets. And it's it's well on the way based on what we've seen this weekend in terms of something like this. And that means that now the, the, the running back won in the uh, in the Jets, if, 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 if Bell is gone for a while, and they're saying he'll probably miss at least one or two games, is Frank Gore. So, you know, that's the way it is. As for Thomas, that's a huge loss for New Orleans. 
He says he can play through the ankle sprain, but we've seen, like, say, for example, Saquon Barkley last year, that could severely limit his efficacy, especially for someone who relies so much on their kind of quickness out of the uh, out of cuts to kind of get the, that separation and make those catches. So no, we'll see if Thomas is the kind of player we expect him to be with that injury uh, nagging at him for the next while. Yeah, and just other bits of news. Pittsburgh linebacker Ryan Jazeer is now officially retired. He obviously took a very bad uh, neck back injury. Uh, I think it was two and a half years ago at this point. Yeah, a spinal. Uh, he's been kept on the on the roster. He had initially been talking about wanting to return, and we all just said, "Look, it's nice that he wants to do that, but like, no doctor should sign off on this guy returning." Uh, Pittsburgh kept him on the roster, so now he's able to get his pension because he's been on the roster for long enough. Very good job by Pittsburgh to look after the guy. Uh, it's obviously a sad story, but it's good to see that he's in better health now, and he's, uh, you know, and he's looking after himself. Yeah, and like let's be honest, Ryan Shazier, if he had stayed healthy, was a potential Hall of Fame type middle linebacker. He was one of those guys, like Bobby Wagner, um, who kind of dominates from the middle, is the quarterback of the defense, and he was a massive loss for them. And they're still kind of putting together um, a defense around the fact that they've lost someone like him. Now I think they've they've done better, like they've drafted. And I think, you know, Edmonds, for example, is a good uh, candidate there in the middle for them. And then uh, the other retirement is Aqib Tlaib after 12 seasons. Apparently had a contract offer from New England, but he basically has a podcast now. And was on, and on his podcast was basically like, you know, I was thinking about covering tight ends. And I was like, I don't know if I can do that. And he's like, well, you know, now that I have those thoughts, I can't play anymore. So yeah. fair, fair play to him. Like, you know, he, he had a good career and he had some certainly memorable moments involving Michael Crabtree and... Uh, mm. He'll certainly be a good candidate for the Hall of Very Good. Probably not Hall of Fame, though. No, of course, of course. Uh, and I suppose with that, we'll go on. We'll have a look at the games from uh, week one. So first up, we have uh, Thursday Night Football, Houston and Kansas City, 20 to 34. Uh, like, essentially, Kansas City offense came out and looked great, as we were hoping. Uh, 34 points seems like a little slow, but then they actually kind of took their foot off the gas at the back and decided to just try out the rookie. Clive Edwards-Hilaire looked very impressive in his debut. 25 for 133, which is 5.5 yards per carry. He got a touchdown in it. Uh, the defense were all over Watson. Uh, it just it just looked like the, after the initial drive with uh, Johnson being able to do quite a good bit on the ground, once they got past their initial 10 or 12 plays that they had prepped, the off Offense just looked a little bit lost, to be honest, from the Houston side. Uh, their defense didn't put up a great job either, but you can't blame them as much for that. My concern really coming out of this, but it's too early to tell because, look, I'm a KC fan. I could be a homer about this. I think the Chiefs team looked very good. I think the Houston team looked very mediocre. And I don't know if that's just because they were up against a Chiefs team that is in flying form coming into the season or whether it is just a proper regression from Houston. Because I told you beforehand, I hate the coaching there. I hate the trades that they made in the offseason. I actually think Johnson looked better than I was expecting him to look. But still, this team looks rudderless. The 14-point difference here is flattering to them because that's not what the scoreline should have been either. Yeah, I think that they lost is consistency, right? Like, we'll talk about the Arizona game. When you have a player like DeAndre Hopkins, you can just feed him and he'll make, keep making plays for you. And while Will Fuller and Brandon Cooks, who, who wasn't... Like, Will Fuller had a good game. He had over 100 yards. But, you know, he's just not the type of player that you can, like, do a curl right with. You can do these kind of more intricate, you know, moving the chains type plays. So, like... Houston will probably still have a like a fair amount of really big plays, which they already had last year. But it's just that moving the chain stuff they might have difficulty with. Like David Johnson might be a solid running back, but I don't think you know I don't think he's going to mm-hmm. be elite again. 
And I think for KC, like they were slowed in inverted commas, but in that in that sense, really, they, they ran the ball more than they usually do because it was working, and they were getting ten yard plays instead of like fifty yard plays. Yeah, and yeah. In the NFL, ten yard plays generally generally tend to get you it'll, pretty good wins work. as well. Uh, it generally does okay. Yeah. And next <laughs> up, New York Jets at Buffalo, seventeen to twenty-seven. Yeah, like this is like the Jets were absolutely useless. They were uh, they didn't go anywhere. They had less than 300 yards in this game. They had like basically one big play, a 69 yard touchdown to Crowder. Nice. Uh, and Darnold look uh, completely shook. And their defense is is a nothing burger right now. Like like they had a, a number of turnovers, but really that came from Josh Allen, who was wildly up and down in this game. Like the the stats look all right. He had 312 yards and two touchdowns passing, and then 57 yards and touchdown rushing. But he had multiple fumbles, which at least one of them was an absolute boneheaded thing, where he was kind of jumping forward and then just kind of like I think tried to. Oh, lateral. he basically, basically handed it to like yeah. the to the yeah. Yeah, like defense. it was just like it was a ridiculous. I don't know what he was doing. I, I, I don't like there was a joke about him because during the playoffs last year, obviously he did a he attempted a lateral that was absolutely idiotic, and it seemed to be something in his brain did that again. And uh, there was one missed to John Brown in the back of the end zone that was absolutely unforgivable. Like it was, it was absolutely it was just a sitter. He was there, John Brown in like miles of space and just threw it over his head. Um, yeah. so. You know, for for Buffalo, I think they are what we think they are. They're a pretty good team that can put the bad teams away. But if they're going to take the next step and be a genuine contender in the a- AFC, then they need Josh Allen to be more consistent or at the yeah. very least stop doing these dumb things and turnovers. Uh, but for the Jets, they already feel like a team that's all well on their way to a, a max four win uh, season, to be honest. Yeah, Gase, yeah. Gase will be gone pretty soon. No, of course. Uh, Green Bay at Minnesota, 43-34. to 34. Uh, Green Bay pretty much controlled this one. Rodgers back to old-school Rodgers form. It seems that the Jordan Love-hate uh, kind of stuff is really <laughs> helping him. Uh, 364 yards, four touchdowns. Hit Adams an awful lot. Hit Vanda Scaltling once or twice as well. Yeah. Um, like get a really bad drop too. So yeah, he did. Like to be honest, like this again, like the KC game. This forty-three to thirty-four is flattering this Minnesota team. Green Bay had this completely in hand. It was garbage time crap from from Minnesota that really got them back into close. Thielen looks decent with uh with with, with Diggs not being there, and again they got decent performances out of the running back Cook as well. But uh, th- both defenses didn't look good, and Minnesota just like they look they look less ready than they did last year to try yeah. and beat one of these big teams. Yeah. Cause they have a thing where like, basically they have don't, don't have any cornerbacks like older than like 26 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's even younger than that. So they're putting out a very young secondary and they were very much exposed in this game. And they looked like that. Like I suppose the only hope for Minnesota is that they're so young that they'll probably improve over the season, but in a competitive NFC uh, North and with green Bay already having a win over them, they'll probably need to do that sooner rather than later. No, of course. Uh, Philly at Washington. This one was a bit more of an interesting one. Uh, 17 to 27. Go football teams, apparently. Or as, <laughs> as, as, as I discussed with, uh, with with Harry on Sunday, uh, the Washington, like, I think go footballs should now be the the, the, the way we refer to it. Because teams, team. maybe, um, like, yeah, big surprise win for them because Philadelphia are nothing if not incredibly self-sabotaging. Uh I I heard was it that the entire right hand side of the Eagles line hadn't played in those positions beforehand at this level, and that showed because I thought I was seeing replays of sacks, and it wasn't. <laughs> it was actually eight sacks that Carson Wentz got in this and a forced fumble. Like it doesn't matter how good or bad. And to be honest, I don't think he looked great in this game. Like 
you could be the best quarterback, and if you get sacked eight times, that's gonna start looking that bad. Yeah, and like 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 to be fair to the to the football team, they do have a really good defensive line, and obviously they added Chase Young, and he got one and a half sacks in his debut. So you know, and Ryan Kerrigan had two sacks. So this like it's not a case where this was a bad defensive line. That was the one thing we knew about Washington that was going to be good, but I don't think we expected it to be this good. And then, you know, I think, you know, the de- defense just overwhelmed them so much, the Philadelphia Eagles offensive line so much that, yeah, even though the Eagles had more yards, they couldn't get the run game going. They were over-reliant on their tight ends to kind of get anything going, kind of telling you that, that Carson Wentz was kind of just getting out of his getting out of his hands as quickly as possible to Dallas Goddard and, and Zach Ertz. And yeah, like they had a couple of bit. I think they had one big play to Jalen Rhaegar and maybe one diggish play to Deshaun Jackson. But it's basically exactly the problem that they had last year, which is they don't have a consistent offense. They don't move the chains in a consistent fashion. And against the Washington team where they were just absolutely hammering them, especially in the second half where, you know, the Washington team came down from being seven uh, by 10 team. They were 10 points down at the half. Um, they came back and they put like Dwayne Haskins was solid. Like, they, he didn't still look like a, a league quarterback, but apparently he gave the team talk at halftime because obviously we know Ron Rivera is dealing with cancer. Yeah, he's and, tired from the cancer treatment. Yeah, he was, a, he, was a, he was given an IV drip during halftime mm. to kind of get him ready for the second half. So we know there's a lot of challenges going on there. And Dwayne Haskins, I think given what we saw last year, uh, I think it's a really promising thing to see that he could become the quarterback they expected when they drafted in the first round. And mm-hmm. yeah, I think for the Washington team, uh, yeah, I don't think anyone expected this, but I think we see sometimes defense can win you games, and and this is certainly a good case for that. And I think for Philly, they have to be very worried right now for for a team that was expected to make the playoffs. Yeah, and like we look at that, and we kind of see the seventeen and twenty-seven. We see flaws on both teams. Uh, here's one that's a bit more one-sided for me. Give me a very oh. brief synopsis of Cleveland yeah. and Baltimore, six I, to thirty-eight. Like last week, I said you know Cleveland just need to avoid a blowout, and then they summarily go absolutely blown out of the hole like Lamar three touchdowns over 300 yards and Hollywood Brown is making that second year leap and Mark Andrews is just an absolute beast in the, in, in the red zone and uh, you know look the Baltimore defense looks improved but Calais Campbell that's a scary thing for the rest of the AFC he, uh, he had like a knockdown in his <laughs> series against Cleveland and to be honest for Cleveland outside of the run game where Chubb and Hunt does look like a really good tandem uh, except if you're a fancy owner uh, that you know Baker Mayfield was inaccurate. He missed several open throws to OBJ and just didn't look anywhere on it. And to be honest, he's kind of trying to, like, I don't want to jinx, like, I don't want to go too hard on him, but he's starting to remind me of someone like Jay Cutler, just a very inconsistent, you know, doesn't. Know, to be honest, to be honest, if you, could get, if, you, if, you could, if you could get, like, some of the days in Chicago Jay Cutler play out of it, you'd be taking it, really. <laughs> like, I think he's playing worse than that. Yeah, he, he just doesn't, it doesn't feel like he puts in the work to kind of be what a quarterback needs to be in the modern NFL and this defense we know it's ravaged down back with, with injuries but it you know that defense was getting shredded and yeah like for Cleveland this could get very ugly very fast obviously it's get Baltimore they'll play less good teams going forward but not a great uh, omen for the rest of the season yeah who they've got next week actually uh, uh, the Bengals your boys oh fair yeah I don't know if they're going to be good enough to beat the Bengals even uh but we'll see we'll see um Indianapolis at Jacksonville 20 to 27 uh Minchie Mania pulls through and uh gets in the win here it wasn't exactly a brilliant showing 90 to 20 so high efficiency with like 173 yards three touchdowns it was defensive moves that helped them out and also the fact that Philip Rivers he looked he looked comfortable in 
the offense there, but he also looked like good old fashioned noodle arm marmalade. He's going to make his mistakes. He's going to throw a couple of interceptions. Like I, yeah, it it it, it felt it felt almost homely watching this again. Uh, way too reliant on his running backs. Doesn't really know what he wants to do with the guys further down the field. Like yeah, like I think. The amount of time, like you know, I I, I kind of joke, like I kind of joke, like I think maybe like the Colts and the Chargers should do a one-year trade for Eckler for Jonathan Taylor because as I'm talking about later, like one team could do it with a, with a thumper right now, and but the, mm. the the Indianapolis Colts really want to have a pass catching back because Billup Rivers is going to try it, even yeah, with yeah. Jonathan Taylor where he doesn't look completely comfortable in that role, like he did, <laughs> he still did okay, but you know, like a Naheem Hines is a solid enough receiving back, but he's not going to win you games and like look like the Colts probably should have won this game they out they outgained Jacksonville by a fairly significant degree if I if I if I remember correctly yeah um so you're talking about here a game that Jacksonville took advantage of the opportunities that they had like as you say Minshew was incredibly efficient and there's already egg in my face saying that the, the hype train would fall off there you know <laughs> 19 out of 20 172 yards and he's obviously just great crack to watch and uh you know they got decent production of James Robinson considering that he's a no-name, like that's okay. And C.J. Henderson, their first-round pick, he's shown, he got an interception, he made a lot of tackles, he looks like what was advertised as he as he went up the draft rooms uh, during the offseason. But yeah, I think for the Colts, I think this is worrying because it's a game that they should win. It's a game that, they, like, both in the sense that they're more talented and also the amount of possession that they had, but the fact that, that Philip Rivers is making these dumb mistakes still, even though he's got that good offensive line and all that, it has to make you concerned about them going forward. Maybe they'll revert to be more conservative as they go to more of these Orby screens, but that'll limit them. And I think when you have people like T.Y. Hilton and Paris Campbell, you would just hope that Rivers can just get over this. And yeah, so that's, that's, the, that's the other bit of a bright spot that Campbell actually kind of came and stood out for them a bit in that game because they're wondering yeah. who was going to step up and be that number two. And that's answered for them at least. But yeah, there are there are a lot of questions to be asked, particularly because if that's what Rivers looks like in the first week, I'm not sure I want to see what he looks like in week 13. Uh, Vegas at Carolina, um, 34 to 30. Look, Josh Jacobs doing Josh Jacobs' thing, even though everyone was keyed in on him. 139 all-purpose yards, three touchdowns. Rogues looked okay. Um, he flashed, but, yeah. but he, he, had a, he had an injury in the middle of the game and he came back and he didn't look quite the same. Yeah, and, and like uh, the, Ra- yeah. the Raiders got some got some decent play out of some of those defensive pieces that have been lackluster. Like I think Clellan Cle- uh, what's his name, Clellan Cle- Cle- Farrell. Yeah, yeah, he had one or two big plays in the game and stuff like that. Like it's uh, it's grand. And like like I kind of said, I was just I I know that you think I'm overly harsh on the Teddy Bridgewater stuff, but like I'm watching him play in this thing, and I'm just kind of going, it's okay, like. Yeah. It's nothing exciting. I'm I'm feeling exactly how I thought I'd feel about this offense. Hopefully it's just, you know, sea legs and they get to be better. But like the, the Raiders don't have a great defense. You'd expect to see more in this spot, particularly when you've got your Christian McCaffrey's. You've got, what, 100 yards out of Robbie Anderson. Like yeah. you got you got a lot of performance in this game. Uh, yeah, I think they, they lean too heavily on the dink and duck. Like I think I know that Teddy's natural game, but we saw his flashes of him particularly towards the end of the stretch he played for New Orleans Saints where he's getting into Sean Payton's system and willing to throw it downfield a bit. But in this game, it very much felt that he wouldn't go beyond 15 yards throwing it. And even the big Robbie Anderson touchdown was him kind of getting a lot of that was yards after the catch. And so, you know, I I think that offense can work. It can get you there. But I think, you know, given that Joe Brady came in there from the LSU, maybe he needs to 
just throw it over the guys a little bit. I think Teddy can do that, and I think they need to experiment that because they have DJ Moore and they have Robbie Anderson. Those are two guys that are perfectly able to do that. And you know, with CMC, you have your solid get like get your touchdown, get you into good yards and distances and second down and third down. Take a few the, more risks. By the way, if opinion. I remember correctly, did they did they have a like a gold go situation? Just start ruling their fullback for some reason. Yeah, so this is the final drive of Carolina where, where they went behind after uh, Josh Jacobs got the final touchdown for, for the, the Vegas Raiders. Um, so yeah, it was a fourth and one situation. You have CMC and they handed it off to their fullback, uh, Alex Arma, and yeah. he was stuffed. And it's kind of a situation where like, you have the best running back in the league. I like, you know, it doesn't even have to be a run to CMC if you're talking about like a screen game or something like that. He is who you want to get the ball, get your get your ball into the hands of, and to give it to your fullback in that situation. Look, you know, maybe the analytics say or maybe it works sometimes, but I think when you're a new management and you're trying to make a good impression, I would advise using your best player in in a key situation yeah. and down because if you're going to run up the middle, you might as well run up the middle with the guy who can like squeeze out of anywhere because we've seen Christian McCaffrey do that so often. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So kind of shaky games. We'll see if they can improve afterwards. Chicago at Detroit, 27 to 23. Uh, Detroit just collapsed in the fourth quarter. Uh, it was 23 to six at one point. Mitch decided to play good for a bit. They had three touchdowns, but like no consistency. Uh, Detroit made mistakes. They missed field goals. They dropped passes. There was a touchdown at the end by the rookie Swift, who had for the most part had a pretty good day. Uh, yeah, but that, like, that, 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 that should have should have been a one. But like, you know. Defense for the Lions still sucks, which is meant to be the strength of that head coach. Chicago get enough to get it done within the division on the road. Um, I still don't think Chicago are going to be that great, but I think no. this is exactly the type of games that I think they're going to win because I said before, I think this Detroit team are going to be terrible. Yeah, like we, we've seen good, good Mitch Titties, good, good Mitchell Trubisky cameos before. He is capable of putting together a quarter, a quarter or a half of decent football but he's wholly inconsistent because even though, you know, obviously they only had, you know, six points going into the fourth quarter, Chicago, a lot of that was down to Mitchell Trubisky because he was inaccurate. Mm-hmm. He, he, he missed a lot of open receivers and the run game for, for, for the bears right now just isn't that inspiring. Like David Montgomery technically he had like five yards of carry, but like the run game just never seemed to get going that much. Maybe they'll, we'll see a bit more of that in a closer game where they don't have to come back from behind. Um, but yeah, I think for Detroit, you know, you have your quarterback, you have Matt Stafford. He still isn't a bad quarterback. He's still a good quarterback uh, at the very least. Uh, but they made lots of dumb decisions. Uh, they had some injuries in defensive back. Justin Coleman, I believe, is on the uh, short IR boomerang for three weeks. So, you know, there, there were issues there. But the level of collapse that we saw against Mitchell Trubisky is just not forgivable. And then, you know, going, you know, like, you know, Matthew Stafford on his final drive, on his sorry penultimate drive threw an interception like he threw it into close coverage it got Mm. like bounced up went for interception gave the chicago bears short field position for them to get it going to the lead so you know detroit could have easily won this game if they'd stopped being so dumb and Mm. you know maybe had kenny galladay it would have been like a blowout but you know good teams or even decent teams get it done against bad teams and yeah if you can't then you deserve to be called a bad team so detroit yeah you're a bad team right now Oh, of course. Uh, I'll give you another one here. Your boy Seattle took on Atlanta. Went exactly kind of how we predicted, 38 to 25. Uh, yeah. Tell us a quick bit about this. Yeah, like Russ, you know, a lot of stuff in the offseason about letting let Russ cook, let him let him play, and they did it. Like 31 out of 35, 322 yards, four touchdowns. You can't really get better than that as a quarterback, uh, and you know, becoming MVP and all that. And Jamal Adams on his on his Seahawks debut shown with 
a sack, multiple tackles for loss, multiple pass breakups. He was tackling everywhere. He was in. He was on. You know, he was on the line. He was in coverage. He was doing everything and was pretty much everything that he's advertised. And mm-hmm. I think you know, like you know, uh, do mm-hmm. I think you know, like Seattle? We know they have some issues. Like their pass rush isn't the best, but. I think with Jamal Adams and Bobby Wagner, they have a great like platform which to let the other guys overperform. And as for Atlanta, it's just a classic Atlanta. I think like I was seeing Twitter, like the best worst team basically. Yeah. The, like empty yards, empty empty yards, over 500 yards, but always behind, always failing, and you know always in a situation like Gurley was solid early on, and then they went away from him. A lot of these mm. yards came on kind of like you know very much when they were already down, like they, they got like 15. Uh, by 20 of these points like in the fourth quarter when it was already dead and mm-hmm. I think that the key difference in these teams is that you know there was a fourth down play uh, when it was a one score game uh, fourth and five and Atlanta gave up a touchdown to DK Metcalf over the top uh, from around <laughs> the, like a 50 yard touchdown or so um, so that's the difference like Seattle they always believe they're going to win they always like Russell Wilson, for whatever his fault is, never believes he's going to lose. And mm-hmm. Atlanta, ever since 28-3, and three, feel like a team that always thinks it's going to lose. And I think that show very heavily here uh, and very unfortunate for a team that has all the talent in the world. No, of course. Uh, another slightly more lackluster game, Miami at New England, 11-21. to 21. Um, Yeah, like New England do a decent job. Cam looked good in his, in his first start there, 155 through the air, 75 in the ground, two touchdowns. The New England defense did an okay job, three picks like causing a lot of kind of pressure stuff, but you know, they're not, they're not the defense they were a year ago. Uh, Fitzpatrick looked inconsistent. This team for the, for the dolphins looks very young. Doesn't really know what it's doing. It's kind of what we said going into it, that look, new England will be figuring it out. They're, they look decent with cam, but like, this isn't a, this is them against a Miami team and they only put up 21. It's not, you know, it's not start popping champagne corks just yeah. yet. This Miami team, you know, I've, I've said it beforehand, Fitzmagic's never had two seasons in a row where he's been good in both of them. He's normally good for a season and falls off. This is going to be pretty much where Miami sit until they decide to give to a, a look, I think. Because um, this, think- this wasn't a world beater that hammered them here. This was a decent workman-like New England team that might sneak into a seventh seed. Yeah, and I think, you know, it kind of give. I think Miami are probably one of the teams most hurt by the lack of a preseason, so... Yeah, yeah, we'll see if they can improve as the, as the season goes on, like last year. Um, we, had a, we, we, we had a nice close one after this, though. Uh, the Chargers, Cincinnati, and this is my pick for game of the week. Uh, it's 16 to 13. Uh, <laughs> it, was, it was interesting, wasn't it? Though? Um, uh, it was interesting, but I wouldn't say it was it was very was, uh, was good, high was, octane. I liked I, I liked I liked a few of the bits there uh, that was there. Uh, Bullock obviously missed the late field goal, which was stupid. But I believe there's some kind of injury thing there. Yeah, he he pulled up after the kick. He was he was hurt. So like, maybe, he was, maybe he was right. faking. I don't know. It's like yeah. oh my my hamstring suddenly hurts after missing that field goal. But yeah, this this this, this game for me was defined by. Burrow looking pretty good, and that offense looking pretty good, except for the fact that the line wanted to have him murdered, which yeah. is not that dissimilar from last year. But you could even see as the game progressed, they were getting better at moving around the pocket and getting balls released earlier. There's a couple of iffy throws from Burrow as well, though. Like there's ones that ended up like behind the running backs when he was trying to do it, and a few a few bits that you know you could see stress. But this is a Chargers team. Like this 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 game was the Chargers defensive line essentially versus Joe Burrow's sense of self-preservation. Yeah, and like, you know, Joe Burrow, obviously there's a, you know, 
they bring it up every time. No first round pick is won since uh, the old Elder Carr brother uh, as a first round, uh, oh, first overall pick, David Carr. Yeah. So you know, like that's fair enough. And like you know, the, we know the Chargers have a great front. We talked about it in the preview, and and so it came to be like the only like there was a couple, as you say, a couple of throws that were questionable. And I think the shovel pass where he got intercepted by Elvin Ingram, unforgivable. That was just a that was a dunderheaded mistake. I, he just has to learn to not try and do it all every single time. He just needs yeah. to be smarter in that situation. But you saw like the rush TD, you could see he's, he's a speedy guy when he, when he gets outside the pocket and yeah, a few, a few lovely throws in the tight windows, but yeah, that offensive line is going to be an issue all season. And as for the chargers, I think you have to be very disappointed in the chargers. Like their offense was very anemic, like, and it kind of felt like they, you know, they've got rid of everything they had from last year and, and put in this new roster with Tyrod Taylor. But Tyrod wasn't really running too much. They weren't getting huge success up the middle, except with Joshua Kelly a couple of times. Um, he looked good in, in flashes, the rookie. Um, so it's kind of a situation where, you know, last year they had, like they have Austin Eckler as their or running back one, but they're not doing any screen games. They're not doing any passes. I mean, you only got passed it once. That's where he is massively effective. But they, like, uh, Anthony came out of the game and said, oh, because of the scheme change, we're not going to do that much pass anymore. And you're kind of like, as I joked earlier, Look, if you're going to have a run first team where it's going up the middle, Austin Eckler isn't the guy there. Maybe, you know, your rookie can be that guy, but it just, to, to me, it gives a slight sense that they're not fully utilizing the offensive talent they have. And no, this could easily be a team that ends up having to grind its way through. And maybe, and, and to be honest, it really reminds me of those Tyra Taylor Bills teams where maybe the defense will be good enough to get them, sneak them into the playoffs, but they're not going anywhere fast. I don't, I, I, I don't know, like, like, I like an, an injury stopped late field goal to tie up a game that I think they would have probably lost if it went into overtime. Like I don't, yeah, yeah I don't, I don't feel it. Like uh, I'm just, that's, that's I, their I, upside. I mean, like, like yeah, but yeah, I just, I just don't see that happening. We'll, we'll, we'll move on to two much more kind of relevant teams. We'll say for the moment, <laughs> uh, Arizona at San Francisco, 24 to 20. Arizona made a big, big, big statement here. As uh, Kyler comes in, 230 yards passing, 91 rushing, and uh, yeah. DeAndre Hopkins, as you mentioned earlier, just getting fed. You've got a guy like that, perfect, 14 receptions, 151 yards. Uh, they were able to just kind of get out there and just, just, just keep it on the back and forth in that fourth quarter, just survive it towards the end, because this was one that could have gone either way. Uh, yeah. But yeah, like I said, it's just I was, I was excited for it. I was wondering who the outside weapons for San Fran were actually going to be, and. Um, yeah, it's a it's 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 a very good win, particularly on the road for them within division. Yeah, like I, I think for Arizona, you know, they they stumbled a bit early. Like there was a, there was like a there was a, a missed call on their defense that gave Raheem Mostert a big huge uh, receiving touchdown in the first half, and you kind of got a sense, oh, is this Arizona defense kind of going to collapse like we kind of saw several times last year? But they saw it that they 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 filled up uh, as the game went on. They only let. Uh, 10 points on from the first quarter onwards so I think you know that's a very promising thing for the Cardinals but yeah the star of the show was Kyler Murray like look is he the most consistent quarterback ever no but is he capable of doing plays that no other quarterback can do except perhaps Lamar Jackson yes like that touchdown 
uh, late in the game where he basically, you know, basically made Richard Sherman look like a fool on a you know, regular occurrence, it seems, these days. Um, Pretty certain. Uh, I called that yeah. exact thing happening <laughs> in their preview. Yeah, so, like, he just danced through their defense for a rushing touchdown. And, yeah, like, he had, like, I think, you know, he got DeAndre Hopkins. Like, man, this guy just catches everything. It's like Larry Fitzgerald, but, like, you know, five years ago, basically. And it's like, or maybe six years, ten years ago at this point. But, like, Hopkins, you could throw it to him. He'll catch it no matter what. I think for Murray, that'll be really important because that just means that he will always feel comfortable throwing yeah. as well as rushing. And if the defense doesn't know what you're doing at any one time, it, this is someone who's very, very difficult to stop. And when you throw in Kenyon Drake there, maybe in, in future games, that could be very interesting. I think for the 49ers, look, they did what they thought they needed to do. They were solid. They ran the ball pretty well. Like where he most was solid. He had that great touchdown. And Jarek McKinnon looked solid on his return to actually playing football. But I think when we saw the end of this game, you know, we saw the lack of weapons. Like George Kittle got a bit of a knock here in the second, in, late in the first half and mm-hmm. probably wasn't quite there in the second half. And then they're relying on guys like Kendrick Bourne, Trent Taylor, Jordan Reed and Garoppolo. I think at this point, it's, we're comfortable enough saying that Garoppolo is a, is a trailer quarterback. He needs to be carried by the talent on his team. And due to all the injuries, they don't have Debo Samuel. They don't have the rookie Brandon Ayuk. And he looked lost out there. And he came under a lot of pressure late in this game and just wasn't able to handle it. And I think yeah. if you're the 49ers, this is an incredibly talented team. I think they're still probably going to be playoff relevant as we get through the season. But mm-hmm. you have to be concerned that Jimmy G just isn't, you know, like it feels stupid to say it because they made the Super Bowl last year. But, it, it, you know, it, these things kind of turn into memes pretty quickly. And yeah. this become a very problematic for meme for the 49ers because if they're a team that needs everything else to go right then uh, this is the kind of game they can't afford to lose no of course uh Tampa Bay at New Orleans 23-34 um yeah New Orleans win with kind of fairly good offense and defensive performance they were consistent uh Tampa Bay were mistake laden a lot of players didn't really show up the way you would expect them or the way that they were hyped to and all that kind of stuff uh yeah like like we mentioned before, and there were some injuries to players that kind of slowed them down. Like Thomas wasn't really there a hundred percent for the game. Uh, I just, yeah, like Tom Brady makes mistakes at the end. I, I, I must say, right. Cause a lot of the coverage of this game has been that, you know, well, Oh, breeze has shown that he kind of knows his offense more. Like I don't, I don't think either of them looked great. I don't think either of the older quarterbacks looked fantastic in this spot. I think New Orleans, they know each other. They've been in that system. They've got the running game. They've got a system around it that doesn't put it all on him. Tampa Bay is just looking like it's it will go as Tom Brady goes. And it's a little bit, I don't know, maybe it's not the world's best idea to bring in a quarterback at 44 and try and teach him a new system. Um, yeah, even uh, the coach Bruce Arians came out and was saying, nope, a lump of those mistakes were Tom Brady's who when 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 you had a coach who just defended a guy who threw 30 interceptions last year the whole time. Like, man, what did I do to piss him off that he's going to go after me? I think Mike, like Mike Evans was out there. He just didn't look up to the speed at all. And I think I think for for someone like Brady, who who's so used to those tight cuts from people like Edelman, that's so much of his game is around timing. Mm-hmm. Mike Evans, I don't know if he's going to really suit that system. And so he ended up relying a lot on players like Scotty Miller to kind of be his safety blanket. And mm. like, look, look, like I think you saw flashes, especially early, that this will work against the lesser lights in the NFC. But I think yeah. we saw that unless this team can improve throughout the season and, and, and Tom Brady can get comfortable throwing up big for people like Mike Evans when he gets a bit more healthy and be more willing to take those kind of deeper intermediate shots with Godwin, 
um, which, which he had a couple early on, but just went away from after the interceptions. Um, yeah, he, he'll need to improve to get this show on the road. So I wouldn't write off the Tampa Bay experience yet, but yeah, it's not a great outing for it first. And New Orleans just looked like a more settled project that, that looks uh, playoff ready, uh, even if there's some downside there. Uh, they don't feel like they, they don't feel as good as maybe they were last year. So it's a little bit of concern there. Yeah, no, of course. Uh, Dallas at the LA Rams. This was a big upset, 17 to 20 for the Rams. Uh, yeah, just the Rams defense turned up. Uh, their committee running back thing seemed to work. Brown and Akers had over 100 yards. Uh, Woods had over 100 yards. Like, Dallas tried to do the Dallas thing of just run Zeke. So he was, again, over 100 yards as well. Came up short when they needed it at the tail end of it. Like, yeah, it's, it's a hard one to judge necessarily at the start because this is the kind of thing of a Rams team that can occasionally just have a monster game on the line. Like, they do have the best defensive player in the league. They've got good performances out of another of other people. They've just paid their superstar cornerbacks. Um, but you definitely had to have been going into this and wanting to see more out of this Dallas offense, a bit more inventiveness. They've got a new head coach, but they've kept the consistency in the offensive coordinator. You'd like to see some more twists on things. But this felt a little bit like, like I, I know it's a stupid thing to say, because I think it's kind of what we're expecting for the first week or two of games. So like, this felt like, uh, let's get our guys out for a run for the first quarter of this week two preseason game. Like This felt yeah. that they were shaky. Yeah, and I think, you know, both both teams kind of give off that air early on. Like, there's a lot of screens, um, which do actually worked very well for the for the Rams early on with Robert Woods. But, yeah, there was definitely a sense that the Cowboys, like, I think you saw the sparks of, like, what could what is a really good offense. Like, I think, you know, it wasn't awful games, and CeeDee Lamb looked promising enough in, in his start. But you just didn't see the high-level explosiveness you'd expect based on the level of talent there for Dallas. And like the defense is solid, but as we know, it's kind of thin and then Leighton Van Der Esch leaves and then you're kind of wondering about what, what the situation there. And to be fair, like, you know, Mike McCarty comes into his first game, you know, they're 17-20 down in the fourth quarter and he goes for it on fourth and short. I know we're all about, like, coaches should go on more than fourth, but that was a, that was field goal position, make it a 20-20 game. This is week one. You know, the, like the margins are tighter in week mm-hmm. one. There's more likely to make mistakes. And, you know, the, I think the fact that there was, there was a, no scores in the fourth quarter here kind of gives you a level to which the defenses basically took over as the game went on. I think early on you saw some success for the for, for, for the screens and some of these intermediate routes. But as you got down into this, both quarterbacks maybe just looked to seem run out of steam and both running backs kind of run out of steam. So I think, look... I'm not willing to, to to write off the Dallas Cowboys yet. I think they're a very talented team, but I think mm-hmm. they're in a situation here where, you know, like I think they have the fortune that only the Washington football team won a game in the NFC East, so they have <laughs> they'll have some room for error here, but I think they need to get get on their horses here and actually get going. So I think, you know, for the Rams you know, I think Malcolm Brown was a, like I think like I think Malcolm Brown has always been a solid running back. He was obviously just overshadowed by being behind Todd Gurley. And I think he's the kind of solid Frank Gore type veteran. I have no problem being the head of your like committee. Um, and then maybe Henderson and, and Akers can come on later on. And then mm-hmm. for Goff, it was a solid outing. Like I don't think by any stretch he was perfect. And as I said, towards the end of the game, he started to look quite shaky as well. Um, but you know he did enough in this game, like 275 yards and one interception. 20 and 31 like we're not talking superstar numbers here but i think the rams at this point are locked into having to, to work around him and in this case that that was enough and you know hopefully 
uh, they can build on this and, and make that NFC West very, very difficult for my boys. But uh, yeah, like Cowboys, not great, but they'll probably have enough room to improve. Rams mm-hmm. need this win if they want to be rallying the NFC West. So, you know, good luck to them uh, in their first win in their stadium. Yeah, Pittsburgh took on the Giants 26 to 16. Um, yeah, like Pittsburgh D looked good, but is there much else in this? Like, are the Giants <laughs> just like Danny Dimes had a decent stat line, but yeah, he started he scored well. 16 points. <laughs> like, he, he had a really good first, uh, a bit like Tom Brady actually. He had like a really good start to the game, and then over time, that, that defense just absolutely uh battered them. And then, yeah, like, look. Like Ben Roethlisberger looked okay uh, coming back from injury. He he was a bit rusty early on, but you saw Juju getting there. Benny Snell ended up coming in early because uh, James Conner went down in an injury and he got 113 yards and 19 carries. So I think Pittsburgh are, you know, uh, one to look out for in the AFC and the Giants. Yeah, like I think the main thing was not to look completely helpless and they didn't look completely helpless. But yeah. I think against the better teams, they are going to have performances like this. This is a rebuilding project. We all know that. And and so it came to be. I think the biggest worry for them, perhaps, is just that Pittsburgh, when they keyed in on Saquon Barkley, actually did basically completely nullify yeah, him. Yeah, less than, that running game. And then... Less than 30 yards overall running. And most of that was Danny Dimes. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, for the Giants, in previous years, they, they Barkley was kind of match-up uh, independent, would always be good. It's a bit of a worry that you couldn't do that in this game. No, of course, of course. Finally, Tennessee at Denver, 16-14. Again, I'm just so sloppy. Uh, Gaskowski makes one out of four kicks. To but the game-winning them... kick, the only one that matters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think he was kind of doing some in-game betting on himself or something. Uh, Henry looked great again, over 100 yards. Corey Davis, over 100 yards as the WR1. Uh, Gordon came on late, 78 yards and a touchdown. And the tight end Fant looked good, 81 and a touchdown. Uh, Jerry Judy was just dropping balls, just didn't work. The defense looked solid, but again, the defense is missing Von Miller, so it's probably still kind of figuring itself out a little bit. Uh, The Tennessee, like, to be honest, like, the Tennessee team, yes, they have good performances. I don't know if they deserve to win this game. Well, I, I don't think either team deserved to win this no. game because it wasn't a very good game uh, overall. But I think it was a situation where, like, look, we know what Tennessee want to do and they have a game plan that generally averages towards close games, let's say, like because they rely so much on the run game, they rely so much on their, their play action and... You know, overall, if you look at the statistics, they I think they probably deserve to win the game in terms of their overall uh, production. I think, you know, when you look over to the Denver side, Drew Locke wasn't bad, but he didn't inspire. Like, he, he can't, like, I think there was a problem. Like, when he first came in, he was willing to take a lot more shots. And in this game, he still looks more like, as he was towards the end of the career, we're a little bit safer. And, like, Melvin Gordon came on in this game after an early fumble. Uh, but I think when they lost Philip Lindsay to turf toe, I think he contends that just a little bit one-dimensional. And Jerry Judy, like, yeah, he runs very great routes, no doubt about that, uh, but he needs to catch the ball. That's the most important part. Like, it doesn't matter how good your routes are if you don't catch the ball. And, yeah, their defense, I don't think they suddenly become the worst defense in the league, but they're not going to be an elite defense without Von Miller. Mm -hmm. And the Titans, yeah, we know what the Titans template is, and they, they executed it, and there was enough in this game. But, yeah, you have to be concerned that... Going forward, if they're going to replicate what they did in the back end of last year and beating off these these uh, these you know extra good teams, um, they're going to need to be a bit more solid than this. But hey, look, a win's a win, and Mike Ray will be the first to tell you it's all about that in the end of the game. Exactly, exactly. And so with that, we'll move on to have a look at the games for next week. 
So first up, Cincinnati at Cleveland on Thursday Night Football. Uh, we've both gone for Cincinnati. Look, we discussed it there. They looked better towards the tail end of the game. There's some growth there. We'll be interested to see what they look like. Uh, Cleveland looked lost. They have the skill there to maybe turn it around. But on balance, I'm going to I'm gonna give it to the Cincinnati team who nearly won their game versus the team that scored, what, six points against the, the, the Ravens. Yeah, I think, you know... If Cleveland are going to win, I think they should do the lead to lean on their run game, which is what they want to do under their head coach, like in that zone blocking scheme. Mm-hmm. Take the pressure off Baker, and hopefully Baker can just make a few plays. Like I think Baker's confidence is shot. You want to get back up in there and get him going there. I think with Bradley Chubb and Kareem Hunt, there's certainly a possibility Cleveland at home can get that run game going and run over mm-hmm. Cincinnati. And I think for Cincinnati, it's all about, as you say, making those adjustments that they started to make last week of getting Burrow out of the pocket. You, you can't treat him like a stand you, back box. I mean, he, yeah, just he, use his legs a bit. Yeah, like, that's like all. He, 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 I think he's shown enough that he could be like that in the future, but you don't have the O-line to do it. You don't have the personnel to do that. Yeah, yeah. So just get him outside the pocket, set up these plays for AJ Green, for Auden Tate, uh, for Tyler Boyd, let them do their work and, you know, let Joe Mixon feed on the outside mm. on screen plays and stuff like that. Um, so I think these are two teams like who obviously lost in week one. We're a little bit more optimistic about Cincinnati, but uh, I think Cleveland, you know, Baltimore's a very tough first test. Let's see if they can bounce back or not. Yeah. yeah. Uh, New York Giants at Chicago. I've gone for Chicago. You've gone for the Giants. Um, yeah. Loser Gi- yeah. Like, I I think Chicago have some of the defensive personnel that they could cause some issues for that run game. Uh, we saw that they can turn it on occasionally. They're at home. Like, yeah. I don't really not- care. I won't bother watching most of this game. Yeah, like, I suppose I'm picking the Giants mostly because I think maybe Danny Dimes can be a bit better against... The, I think Chicago have a good defense, but not Pittsburgh-level defense. Yeah, yeah. And that might be enough to get them over it and maybe Saquon can get back. But, uh, yeah, neither of these teams inspire much confidence already. Next, Rams at Philadelphia. I've gone for Philly. You've gone for the Rams. Yeah, like, I think, you know, the Rams, they got the surprise win against the Cowboys. You know, I think with Aaron Donald on the line alone, that is worrying for the Philadelphia Eagles. And if they get the kind of pressure, like we'll see if the, the reason the Eagles, Carson Wentz is under so much pressure is because the Washington team has such a good D line or simply they have a, like Philadelphia have a bad O line. If it's the latter, then this could easily turn into a bit of a mess for Wentz again. And we saw for the Rams, they have a solid enough offensive system that they can put up enough points to beat, you know, medium teams. But I think for Philly, it's very important though that because they're, they're a team that's, they're so inconsistent. I think they really need to get a win early on and just kind of get their feet under them. Yeah, and that's what I'm thinking. I think they're at home. I think the Rams have to travel whole way cross country. They're going to try and scheme around the fact that they're not they're not going to let Wentz get hit eight times again. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Uh, I also like I I know I know the Rams had their big surprise win there, but I also think that was as much on the other team who we're talking about now in a second anyway, than it was on them. Atlanta at the Dallas Cowboys. We're both going for a bounce back here. You reckon Dallas, they've got the quality on their roster. Atlanta, as we said, are flaky. Yeah, I think Atlanta, they showed nothing for me. Like They're always capable of like lots of points because they have such good weapons, but I think Dallas, they can definitely do the job here and make a bounce back after a disappointing week one loss. No, of course. Carolina, Tampa Bay. We're both going for Tampa Bay. Yeah, like Car- Carolina were decent. Like I think we were surprised. Like we weren't surprised. But I think they put up a solid showing. But I think Tampa Bay, they're a more talented roster overall. I think we saw flashes of the Tampa Bay offense being good early on. And I think it's a much weaker defense. You should see mm-hmm. Ronald Jones do well, and you should see Chris Godwin and Mike Evans get open. And I think you know if there's more. I think they have more explosive potential than Carolina right now. 
Um, but you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't be willing to bet too much on this to be honest. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. San Francisco at the New York Jets. We've both gone for San Francisco because San Francisco have a good roster and good players, and the Jets don't. Um, womp, womp, womp. Jets are terrible. It's a bit it. Like uh, their coaching is terrible and everything. Even though it's going, they're flying cross country. Yep. Still San Fran. Uh, Denver at Pittsburgh. Uh, we've both gone for Pittsburgh. I know mine is just on the strength of that defense versus, you yeah. know, the seventh game for this quarterback. Yeah, I think I think Rottlesberger showed enough to, to not be too worried about that offense. And look, we saw so often last year that Pittsburgh, even without Rottlesberger, were winning these type of games. So mm-hmm. with Rottlesberger, this should be a relatively easy win. Yeah, Jacksonville at Tennessee. I'm going to ride the lightning. <laughs> uh, Jacksonville, baby, all the way. You've got Tennessee. Yeah, I've gone for the boring game plan. You know, let's run Derrick Henry a lot. Let's do play action. Let's say Corey Davis and and, and AJ Brown, whatever like that. And yeah, just Tennessee, like, like I, you know, they'll have games where they'll be exciting, but I think at the against these lesser teams, they want to just grind it out and make it close and do almost like a like old school football thing. And against Jacksonville, like, look, great story that they won, but I think we saw that the Colts kind of gave it back to them, and I just don't see Tennessee making those type of mistakes. Yeah, we'll see, we'll see. Uh, Detroit next week, eh? <laughs> No analysis, just ride the lightning. <laughs> ride the lightning, like, there's nothing else to it. It's just, I like I like Mitchu, I like Jack, I like some of the bits they do. I want to see if Raquel Armstead ever gets back from COVID, what he looks like. Like, I think there's... Robinson was all right. I, don't, don't I think there's, I think there's fun to be had with them, that's all. Uh, much more so, like, Tennessee are boring as fuck. Henry's good, but they're just boring. Like, I just don't like watching them. Uh, Detroit at Green Bay. Look, Green Bay looked immense. Uh, just week just gone they're at home Detroit looked scrappy their defense looked bad so they're going to get picked apart pretty badly um yeah if you're Detroit just 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 like five defensive backs and Devante Adams and you'll probably keep this close possibly <laughs> possibly um yeah Buffalo Miami both go for Buffalo yeah like uh, to be honest uh, I kind of had this one and maybe worth analysis but I think Buffalo this is the kind of game that Buffalo tends to win. Like Miami just looks like a team that's finding their finding their form. They have so many rookies, so many second-year players. I think Devon Adams is also injured, so might miss this game. And Buffalo, look, look, just Josh Allen stop doing dumb things, and you'll probably win this game easily. If he does dumb things, maybe a little bit closer. But I think just the talent differential and the coaching difference. Well, not the, co- the coaches are quite equal, but the, the talent differential will tell for Buffalo in this game. Yeah, like B- Buffalo's roster is a more mature roster that has more pieces, that has the continuity, that knows what it's up to, you know? Um, but I never discount a bit of Fitzmagic down in Miami, you know? Right. Uh, and it's in division, so it can always get scrappier. Uh, Minnesota at Indianapolis. Uh, oh, I'm so unsure about that. I went Indianapolis. I don't like picking Phillip Rivers, but... It's like no, well, like Connor, I, I, I'm, I'm using your system, like Indianapolis below 500. That means Kirk Cousins on the up. But they're currently below 500. But like I was trying to think, my problem is I think of Indianapolis as being at exactly 500 too. <laughs> so I can't remember the rule for if they are 500. We're, we're in an area of quantum uncertainty. We're just not sure I... how. Yeah, well, that will be making a very bad game if it's a tie. To be honest, like yeah. Minnesota are are supposed are a defense first team that didn't do any defense in week one and look better on offense. Indianapolis are a team that want that has Jonathan Taylor like a guy with two thousand rushing yards who they want to treat like if he was Austin Eckler. Um, yeah, who knows what these two teams? They're both teams that. Uh, you can't really trust right now, but who could yeah. definitely go on a run and form? So like, I don't, I, I, I don't, I don't trust Kirk Cousins ever. And Indianapolis are home. That's basically the the, the final part of my decision making on this. Uh, <laughs> yeah, even like, like it's like 
Okay, so I'm getting the hierarchy of your quarterbacks, and now Kirk Cousins is less than Philip Rivers. Uh, it's basically what I'm getting from that. Not exactly. It's that it's just that I think in these kind of contexts, he I think Philip Rivers is more likely to have to to manage to just like get lucky on a game than like Kirk Cousins is reliably bad. Like he's reliably <laughs> going to put up his stats whenever they're massively behind, and he's going to look good on paper, and he's never going to win shit. Uh, that said, he, he probably will end up winning this one. I might read, I might adjust this one before the games kick off, but we'll see. Uh, Washington, Arizona, we've both gone for Arizona. Look, big performance out of them. It was a nice win for the football teams on the weekend there, but it doesn't look like it would be all that sustainable. And against a team that was able to put it up the way the Arizona on offense and defense did to San Francisco, that's a level apart. Yeah, like I think. You know, Kyler Murray is probably one of the better guys to, to have to deal with a big good defensive line because he can just run around them and run through them and be an absolutely annoying bastard of a player. Um, and that will probably be enough for them to do that now. And we'll see if DeAndre Hopkins gets fed as much as he did last week as well. Of course. Uh, next up's my pick of the week, Baltimore at Houston. Uh, we've both taken Baltimore in this. Look, Baltimore looked fantastic. I want to see how they look in, against a slightly better team. No offense to the Browns, but yeah. Uh, Houston... Again, like I said in the in the reviews of the games, I just want to see what they look like in this spot. I want to see if Houston are, like, was it an underperformance? Was it lack of preparedness last week? Is it that they are just not as good as they were, that they have just, 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 just gotten worse? Or I want to see what they look like against this Baltimore team, just to see if we can get a, a, an idea of them. Because Houston have a tough first four weeks. They might not get to a win until week four. Uh, if, if if this yeah. keeps going up, uh, and, and not in a bad way, just in a way that like this is your place in the world now. You, you're just yeah. you're just not a good. You're you're not at the top table right now, even though you it's, have Deshaun it's, Watson. It's tough to go Kansas City and Baltimore in your first two weeks. You know? Yeah, but you know, like this is because Bill O'Brien. I don't know how much the players like him. Maybe he's got rid of all the players who don't like him. Uh, that could be one way he's done it. Uh, like if they go down into a hole. It could be an issue, but I think they're, they're helped maybe once again. Unless Tennessee goes on a run, they'll probably not have a bit of room for error as the season goes on. No, of course. Uh, but yeah, like I'm just intrigued. I like seeing this Baltimore team, like seeing a few bits. So like I said, I've got things like my, my hope for defensive player of the year is on there and stuff as well. So I'm hoping to get a closer look at some of those guys because uh, there wasn't much to be watching in that game against Cleveland. Uh, Kansas City at the LA Chargers. Uh, we've both gone for KC on this one. Uh, yeah, Casey. Uh, Chargers looked a bit anemic last week. Yeah, but they always put up a good fight to you guys. Uh, they do, yeah. Oh, it'll be interesting to see if they can do that. I think, you know, I think under Philip Rivers, they always had that potential to make it a big back and forth game because Philip Rivers just is, you know, would throw it up even if he if he's still advised. Whereas, yeah, the biggest issue for the Chargers is if they go behind, which is always a very strong possibility against mm-hmm. KC. Will they open up the playbook? Will they throw it downfield? They have Mike Williams. They have Keenan Allen. They can do that. They have Austin Eckler to throw screen games to. Can, will they mix up their scheme or will they just doggedly stick to this? Let's grind them out. Everyone else in that division, especially like, for example, the Raiders have decided, no, you can't play defensive first football against KC. We have to adapt to them. Mm-hmm. The Chargers feel like a team that's going against the tide. And that, like, yeah, I'm not hopeful that it'll happen, but I think, you know, they always put up the KC, so in an interdivision fight, maybe they can keep oh, yeah. this interesting. And the 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 other the other element as well is that look, KC came out and they decided they were just gonna run the football down the throat of the guys last week. This Chargers front is better. 
uh, I feel. I think they've got better run support coming over the back of it as well. So I'll be very interested to see if we go back to the passing more, whether they try and force the running game or, or, or how that's going to be dealt with, because this is a good, whatever you think of the offense, this is a good Chargers defense. So it should, should, should be made for something interesting. Uh, your pick of the week's up next. Uh, Cam is traveling to, to Chicago. To Seattle, I believe. Sorry, but, uh... <laughs> sorry, I Cam. Yeah, sorry, my mistake. Cam is yeah. traveling to Seattle. Yeah, so New England uh, Patriots come out to Seattle Seahawks. So obviously there won't be any fan noise this time out. Um, you know, that, that stadium home advantage may be gone. But uh, look, like, I think New England, we saw flashes of a completely, of a, well, we saw a completely overhauled offense. We saw a defense that perhaps isn't quite where it was last year due to all their opt-outs, missing players like Hightower. But you also see they still have Stephon Gilmore. They still have Bill Belichick. They're still able to clamp down on a team like Miami. But now they get a real test. Like we saw with Seattle, they absolutely cooked Atlanta by yeah. going away from their traditional run first approach. They went, actually, no, Russell Wilson is really good. Let's just let him throw it a bit. So it'll be interesting to see where Seattle, um, because Stephon Gilmore, because the defensive back is probably the strongest part of Seattle, whether they decide to go early with the run game instead, like feed Chris Carson, you know, mash it down their throats, play their more traditional way. And obviously we know Bill Belichick, you know, you know, the, the, the Seahawks play that Air Coriel type offense, very oriented around the big play. What is New England going to do with that? Are mm. they going to play man as they usually do to kind of just lock up, lock it and DK Metcalf? Or will they try and kind of just like force them to go underneath more, kind of play it, play it so that they only settle for smaller games? Because we saw like DK Metcalf had a terrible drop on a short curl route. That's not his game. So will Bill kind of scheme to prevent them from doing what they want to do? So I think it's, you know, it's, it's early in the season. Both these teams are coming off a win. I think New England, obviously, given all the issues that they have and all the uncertainty they have, you kind of have to favor Seattle, which looks like a, which are a favorite team. And obviously, Jamal Adams will be looking to actually win a game against New England. I'm sure he'll be looking to really do that <laughs> after being on the Jets for so long. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think Seattle on balance should have enough. But I think given the level of coaching we have here, it should be a really interesting tit for tat. No, it should be very, very good now. Looking forward to that one. And uh, finally, New Orleans at the uh, Vegas Raiders, is it? The New yes. Vegas Raiders. Yeah. New Vegas Raiders. I always get yeah, the, the, the envy also of me up. Um, yeah, look, we both got for New Orleans on this one. Uh, like we said, they looked good, if not explosive last week uh, you'd hope to see Thomas back feeling a bit better you want that defense to keep up what it was doing the Raiders looked fine but yeah. also not quite again just not that level like yeah, uh, New Orleans New Orleans are a, a top end team in their division you know and uh, the Raiders are not quite there yet I, although they are they're increasingly getting there a lot more of the pieces are looking good and they have the elements like they've got the running back the tight end and stuff but just it's not yeah. quite there. I think the Raiders feel like a team that's good if it's a close game or if they're ahead. It'll be mm-hmm. interesting to see if the New Orleans do put up points on the early. Can they show the kind of um, explosiveness and ability to make plays in obvious passing situations against this New Orleans defense, which look pretty solid against Tampa Bay. That'll be the real question for this Vegas Raiders of whether they're just another mediocre season or whether they're ready to make a jump to being a relevant contender um, in the AFC. So... Uh, and this is an opportunity where they'll probably at least have one or two shots at that. And for New Orleans, yeah, I think if Michael Thomas is hurt, or either out or hobbled, it'll be very interesting to see what they end up doing. Obviously, Kamara looks back to his form. They obviously brought in Manny Sanders in the offseason. It'll be interesting to see what their offense will look like that because they were so Michael Thomas-orientated last year. 
it's almost would be a completely new offense if they kind of had to to, yeah. to to run down Thomas compared to where they were last year. Yeah. Well, that's good. So that's all of those boys lined up. So uh, any crack with yourself for the rest of the week? What are you up to? Uh, not much. Uh, I work at the moment. I'm doing just a lot of research. There's just a big project that involves kind of working from scratch on something. So Ooh. a lot of reading. So I've printed some stuff off. I'm, I'm kind of half on the work computer, half just reading stuff all day and uh, yeah. hoping to get to the coding part of that soon. And other than that, yeah, it was a good week one of football. I'm, I'm becoming, you know, that kind of performance makes you optimistic for the Seahawks and you're kind of going oh okay getting hyped now getting into this now Jamal Adams <laughs> Jamal Adams looks good as good just as good as expected so yeah it should be a good uh should be a good uh time to watch that uh on Sunday Night Football and uh yeah hopefully the COVID stuff uh doesn't get too out of control in the rest of the country and we can all just shut Dublin down and put it in a bubble yeah exactly like like I said my hope would be we'll have to check what our plans are it might be even this weekend I might be able to make it down and Catch oh, yeah, a few of you guys down in Cork, so we'll see. see Depends. See. There's a there's a joint thirtieth birthday that I'm not sure if it's happening this weekend or next weekend for some of the some of the wife's sisters. So we must uh must see when that is and then work around that. But uh yeah, should be should be good fun. Other than that, just working from home and uh yeah, similar getting up to speed on a few new projects. So good 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 crack, you know. And I now need to go and do a huge amount of uh waiver diving in fantasy football because I lost all four of my matches this week. <laughs> uh, so there should be some soul searching, but it'll just be uh, waiver scrambling instead, I think. Uh, I think I was two and two. Not great, not terrible, you know. So yeah. Yeah. I, had, I had a couple of guys who just like popped out injured and stuff like that really early in games. Or there was one or two where I just had like the guys who got all the carries and all the receptions and none of the touchdowns, which was a, it was a real pain when that happens. But uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, sure enough, we'll survive, we'll survive. Um, I suppose, as always, you can pop in questions to us on the Facebook page and on Twitter, I guess, and uh, anywhere else you can find us. Uh, Instagram, I'm sure. Uh, maybe uh, maybe Tinder? I don't know. TikTok. Um, TikTok. Yeah, we're on TikTok now. We definitely know what that is. <laughs> we're not confused by the technology in the slightest. It's basically douchebags doing vines, right? Yeah, it's Vine, but China owns it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's better. So China. Yeah, uh, the music comes. The music comes built in, basically. Okay, fair enough. Um, but I suppose for this week, uh, it's bye for myself, bye from Fitz. Bye. That's been all four quarters. Thanks for listening. We'll chat to you next week.